Hello, I'm Katie. And I'm Leslie. And, and we're, we're all booked. Welcome back to another episode of Strong Municipal Libraries podcast, where we talk to you about books we'd like to recommend. And Val and Katie are joining us for our first ever like couples review. It's true. It's true. If it were Valentine's Day, it would be romantic, but it's not. So it's just normal. Well, can it just be romantic regardless? <laughs> I guess. We, we read a lot of the same books. It just kind of happens because we both read a lot. But this one was particularly good, in my opinion. So how about you tell me what the title of the book that you read together was and sure. how y'all discovered it. We read Gideon the Ninth by Tamsin Muir, and I discovered it through Val. <laughs> See, now, I was about to say that I discovered it through you because we saw it at Barnes Nobles and you're yes. like, oh, I've been interested in reading that book for a while. I just haven't gone. It was like, a, it, I guess it was a cyclical thing because I had seen it thought it was interesting, never read it. And then he actually picked it up and read it and was like, wow, this was really good. So I, I was like, you pre-screened it for her. That's right. Quality. (laughs) He reads a lot more than me. So that's just what I should start doing. I should start recommending books to him that I haven't read so I can see if they're good or not. Be like, would I like this? (laughs) Yes. Let me know. But Gideon the Ninth, I think has like kind of made rounds as a very popular book. It is kind of like a, I don't know, how would you describe it? Oh, it's, gosh. Y- yes, it's, it seems to be a an enormously popular, I would venture to say young adult slash fantasy. I would say it's like a new adult because they're, because they're, I mean, they are older teens, but that it's, term I just learned a new adult. Yeah, yeah, it's for, it's for like post 18, pre 25. Yeah, it's usually <laughs> still that finding yourself as an adult yes. kind of theme, but it's going to be more gritty or have more graphic details mm-hmm. than the teen fiction section so, would have. I would call it almost like a a gothic space epic in a way. Yeah, I would even throw a little bit of like escape room, like murder mansion. There's like a big underlying very like spooky house. The name did not evoke this for me at all. No. I was expecting y'all to talk about high <laughs> fantasy. So uh, uh, the cover does a little bit. You see, I think the cover is Gideon, it's, and it's Gideon with her sword, and surrounding her are like bone fragments. It looks yes. very, very. Cool. And she's got a skull painted on her face because that is the traditional face paint of the ninth house. Okay. There are eight houses. The first house is the house of the Necrolord Prime, <laughs> the Undying Lord Necrom uh, slash God. The first, yeah. the first. <laughs> Born something. He has a very long title. Yes, yes. Um, a lot of long titles and a lot of and then crazy names. They all kind of have their own planet, and it's very clear that they are like the ruling class of this like civilization. But it's very odd because you never get to see like the society, like the actual like normal folks. You never get to see it. You, you never do. And yeah, uh, they, they are also talking constantly about what they refer to as is the cohort, which is their military. Mm-hmm. Originally, that's what Gideon was trying to to get into in the beginning, but it never says who they're at war with or just yeah. exactly what's going you on you just know whatever war it's in it's real bad and they've been fighting it for a very long but time peasant details you have it upside Let's talk about the ruling class is that it I don't um know. <laughs> well it's less the ruling class and more like the foundations of the society okay. each of the houses has a lictor which i why well, i listened to the audiobook so i thought it was like lictor like like a lich and the <laughs> but funny. which makes sense but it, it's it not totally spelled like that apparently no, okay. and the ninth house is the spookiest most macabre house because they are the house of the locked tomb and in theory, they're literally there to make sure whatever is locked in this tomb, no one knows, never comes out again. So yes. it's Pandora's box. Pretty Basically. Much, yeah. And you're following the necromancer of the house and her Herohark cavalier. Herohark Nanagesimus. <laughs> I'm not even going to try to say these names. <laughs> and then Man. Gideon Nab. They all have number-themed names if you're one of the like the fancy people in the house. Yeah. You got um, Gideon the Ninth, Herohark the Ninth. 
She, yeah. But yeah, so you get to meet all of these different necromancers and cavaliers from all these different houses, and they all have, like, their thing. Clearly, the ninth house is their thing is being, like, spooky. Yeah, necromancy <laughs> is apparently very, very versatile in this world. It's, it was really interesting. That it's they, very interesting. Yeah. Mostly you're just, like, dead bodies. Necromancy. Okay. Bones. <laughs> but the ninth house focuses on bones, so they don't really do, like, bringing people back to life. They just do, like, More bone like magic. over quality. I, I would... Well, for, yeah, for, I'd say it was a, a quantity over quality because they're able to make, well, not them, Harold Hark, the main, the, uh, the air necromancer, is able to create, like, legions of skeletons just from, like, the most minute pieces of bone fragment. Okay. Yeah. While others you see along the way are able to uh, siphon, siphon living energy, you find one that is actually able to heal through necromancy. Mm-hmm. Some people are really into figuring out, like, how bodies work, so they're very good at, like, medicine, basically. Some of them can bring corpses back to life. Some of them talk to spirits. So it's like they all have their own little, like, slice of the afterlife of, pie. Of the uh, death pie. <laughs> the death pie. So I'm um, guessing, since you said it was quantity over quality, that the bone warriors are pretty frail? Yes, for the most part, they're pretty fail, frail. If she creates a lot of them, she can spend more time creating some that, some that are more hardy. But that that does take uh, it does take more more time. Yeah. More of uh, what they call the uh, thanergy. Thanergy is their weird death energy that they draw. But importantly, the biggest thing that we haven't talked about <laughs> is that they are all here on this like barren sacred planet, the first planet, because they want to become lictors. They were invited to come with their cavaliers to undertake some sort of mysterious task that will make them become lictors, and lictors are undying. They become immortal, except for they don't. Yeah, so the, the emperor originally gathered well, 16 people, and out of them, eight became lictors. Mm-hmm. And lictors were pretty much his apostles, like extremely yeah. powerful necromancers. Uh, they're supposed to be immortal, but over time they've slowly started to, to to die off or get killed in some war that you never really find out anything about. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing the second one will hopefully delve, delve more into that. Yeah, so the entire test is to get more lictors on his side for whatever is going on with Emperor. And Secret he- Special War, which I think you can hear about in the second book because I read the little blurb to it and, and it's it, it leaves that planet, so you get to see a little more of Is the, the second book coming out this year? Yeah, yeah the second book is out. out? Okay. Yes. Yeah. I'm guessing y'all are both planning on reading it. I have it checked out already. <laughs> I, I have it checked out as well on as an ebook. Oh, okay. So yeah, I would say this book, I really enjoyed it. I never thought that the, I can be kind of squeamish when it comes to like certain kinds of like gore, but this one really wasn't like gory. It was very death focused, but I mean, as you can imagine from like bone related magic, there's not a lot of gore. It's just kind of Well, oh, it just bones. sounds like one big like, I don't know, goth. Uh... Yeah, I mean, really it is like goth haunted house in space. Yeah. Oh God, I, I love Love it. There's one. There's one fight going on between between two two characters, mm-hmm. and the the way the way they, they they describe things like you know like viscera and everything kind of gets thrown around, but it's yeah. it doesn't it doesn't res- result from anybody being being killed or being dismembered or disemboweled or anything like that. It's more like uh, what they create with their own with their, with their own energy. Like at one point, one of the characters kind of disappears into a into like a pool of blood that's only like maybe a quarter inch thick and then she reaches out pulls someone in there and something happens and then all of a sudden it appears on the roof and they oh, and both of them like fall, like fall <laughs> they, they all fall down to the ground and they're just, just all covered in and blood and viscera just from their uh, <laughs> their magical energy powers. Interesting. So between, you know, all of the different houses and mm-hmm. all of these different planets and all the predecessors and an ongoing war, this sounds like it's a super long book, is it? It's about 400 pages. 
Okay. I, I listened to the audiobook and I didn't I don't think I've picked up the book, so I, I just know it's fifteen hours long. But the narrator is so good. She is excellent. I was so scared when I started hearing some of these names because they are long and confusing. Like there's like Pal Palamides. Yeah, Palamides. Palamides. And then there's Harrow Hark and like there's so many long names. But she does such a good job with the voices. Do you happen to remember her name? I know it's uh Moira. It's Moira. Moira something. I, I Actually, I'm going to look up her yeah. name here in a um, Because she really was, like, she, one of the best narrators that I've ever listened to. And that to. make or break a listening experience. Yeah, so it, reading it normally, it would have been a four-star, but with her with her voice, voice acting, her voice work... It just five and above. She was just aces. She, she was she was very awesome. Yeah, I I was actually able to tell all these people apart, and they have again. I think because they have the necromancers and their cavaliers, and they have eight houses, plus some of the random people scattered throughout, like priests of the first house and stuff. So you have like. 16 at least main-ish characters that you're talking about but i was even like they would walk up and they would literally just she would start talking as them and i was like oh it's that person person. okay (laughs) this almost feels more like fantasy set in other like worlds it's like fantasy sci-fi i would almost say because it's very weird but gideon talks a lot about the comics that she reads and a lot of it is like stuff that we would see as normal like she like makes a joke about an electric tooth being like really old toothbrush being old because they use like a little motor (laughs) it's almost as if this is just in my head canon it's almost as if when they discovered the power of energy and necromancy that technology just kind of hit a standstill and they just focused on that instead yeah but at the same time you also get these other inklings as to as to what they are capable of technology wise yeah because from their spaceships for one <laughs> yeah spaceships i didn't know that it was a like a modern k- kind of uh, fantasy thing until they stepped into a spaceship i was like wait what now yeah especially because all the names <laughs> and the name structure and stuff sounds yeah. very old school like and know. i think part of that is because they are these like formal houses that represent like the prime necromancer so they're all kind of stuck like in this weird part between tradition and like the amount of like futuristic technology their yeah. people have and i think from planet from the planet of the ninth to the planet of the first i think they say it's, it's like an hour of space travel like what it's so so fast <laughs> wow <laughs> and, and specifically again you hear this a lot in the novel the, the locked tomb the ninth house the end planet that's super cold all the time is specifically purposefully very like it has very low level of technology the people who live there basically purposely live in kind of this like just decrepit like old i don't know like like it's just that they barely have like working heat like just enough for they for them to not freeze death they're basically on pluto so they're like the coldest which kind of lends an air of mystery yeah oh also the actress's name is moira quirk moira quirk okay i don't know why i couldn't remember that's such a wonderful it is a fun name moira quirk but yeah this was it was a very good book uh and I I think it's really good, especially if you like if you like mystery, but also kind of history or sci-fi or fan. It has so many like different things that it covers. It sounds like a melting pot of different yeah, genres. Yeah, the genres just smushed together like yes. full speed into one big pot. Um, I think the main complaint that I ran across, I didn't feel it, and it may have been very different reading versus listening because because the narrator was so good. Is that some people thought Gideon was like a little grating, which is the voice that you read it through for the entire novel. So. 
that might be something. But again, she's 19. So if, when they're talking about like, oh, she's she's so child. Like, I'm like, yeah, she is a child. She's 19. <laughs> she's never really had any like other children to talk to. Well, through, through the audiobook, I thought Gideon was the was the best of them. Just, you know, a normal, yeah. pretty much a normal, a normal person just thrown into like this very weird type of yeah she complains a lot because it's dumb yeah (laughs) she she goes through a lot of stuff yeah (laughs) with a book like this because it's got so much like back history and you know intense Mm -hmm. world building does it feel like it kind of stacks heavy on the world building at the beginning and then the pace picks up or is it really well interwoven it's interwoven but at the same time i feel as though it wasn't enough because okay. yeah. you get you just get certain pieces to this this world at large but it never actually in my opinion it never actually uh get to in like the bigger the bigger things that are going on yeah. like, you know who you know are, are there normal people does the population just consist of just those house houses just those houses Magical yeah people um i do think that starting it in the ninth house makes a lot of sense because they are purposely kept separate from the rest of the the population so it yeah, you're I- following a narrator who knows a little bit but doesn't really know that much about like her society as a large as a whole i guess so you're kind of she knows more than you so she can explain but she's also kind of sometimes just like what are you talking about what is that yeah they're they're kept uh they're kept apart uh almost almost vilified uh as well because of uh i guess just because of their entire just the existence of their house because like they're, they're the the tomb that they're guarding holds like the only thing that can kill the Necrolord Prime. Like that's the whole like spooky story yeah. about it. So sometimes they're, they're referred to as uh, as uh, death cultists. Also, yes, they, cool. well they do they do wear skull face paint. So oh, yeah. <laughs> metal man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so is there anything from this world building that you wish you could make happen here in the real world? Oh gosh! Absolutely not. <laughs> it's oh, real bad. Like, There's okay. a lot of bad stuff. <laughs> they have really cool wooshy you know, slidey doors. I like that. We could do that kind of like, like a Star Trek. A bone minion to like clean your house for you. While it's you're just or, like. Or... It, you really get to show what a slippery scale it can become when people have access to power. <laughs> it, it would be very cool, but I just think that would further uh, further divide us into castes. Magic yeah. havers and not yeah. magic havers. <laughs> uh, space travel would be fun. Power. They seem to have very comfortable, common space travel. That would be cool. It really just seems like getting on a bus. They're literally waiting at a stop and they're just like, they're going to come soon. So we got to get all our stuff ready for the space flight. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it is really, I think, I think if you like sci-fi you may be a little let down for for like the first half it gets a little more sci-fi as you go but it's really not like science fictiony other than being in space and having a few like technological things you said that it also has kind of a mystery thriller feel can you expound on that a little bit more without it giving away too much oh yeah it kind of devolves into kind of a a murder mystery i, I don't want to say agatha, uh, agatha christie because that is it's not on the level of agatha christie but there are several murders there is a, a who is it who's doing this type yeah it's kind of like a, a then there were none like style we're all here together so it must be either some sort of spooky force or one of us like that kind of like pointing fingers slowly escalates throughout the novel were there any of the ha- other houses that you learned about that sounded interesting oh yeah definitely yeah there, there are definitely a mm-hmm. lot of the, of the houses 
on. I like the sixth house. They're the nerds. <laughs> <laughs> they focus on like medicine and, and study and like kind of like the science of how necromancy works, okay. which was interesting. Yeah, the second house were, they, in my opinion, they, they weren't the most interesting, but they fulfilled the military house mm. type trope in there. Third house were like the, the gaudy, the gaudy ones. Like, oh, I'm so much better than you. Did these almost feel a little bit, I keep thinking of Hunger Games in the different districts. Did I it can feel definitely. A little bit like that? I can definitely kind see of, that. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was kind of like that if they had like leaders and kind of descriptors for the houses that, okay. that were like, I think like, was it the fourth house? Like their whole thing was fidelity. Like, like they were the yes. most loyal of the houses and that became their thing. Like that was their calling card. So they were really like, to the fourth house's detriment. detriment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was it was interesting that you could have so many characters and and they would still feel separate and feel um, like it made sense. And never I never really felt forced. I was never just like, oh, they wouldn't really do that. They're just doing that because that is what their house would want or whatever. You know, I never thought about it, but yeah, like every, despite all the ridiculous names and despite the number of people... All of them did feel very, very uh, different from each other. Mm -hmm. Do you think in the future books it's all going to be Gideon's voice, or do you think it's going to switch perspectives? Well, the next book is called Harrow the Ninth, so oh, okay. <laughs> all right. So I think, so I think, I think it, it's it switched. Will be, <laughs> it will be from more from her point of view. Yeah, I haven't read it yet, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure. Uh, what did you think of Harrow's character? You start out like all oh, this person is a monster, and then you end with. Still probably not a great person, but a much more understandable person now that you know more about, like, their relationship before, like, that moment, and also, like, her relationship with her parents and everything like that. Yeah, that was another thing that was a bit, bit of an issue for me, and I think for Katie as well, in that... Mm -hmm. uh, these two characters, Gideon and Harrowhark, they start off really hating each other. Oh, really hating yeah. each other. And that continues up until about 75% of the way through the through the book. And then it's a kind of quick turn to like, yes. oh, now that you told me the truth about our past, I, I love you. Oh, no. No, not like no, no, I not love, love you. Okay. Not, not, but not like love. I love you like a sister. No. I, best I, friend. Great. I will say, big plus for me, it might not be for every other reader, but there was a huge lack of any kind of romance. In I was about book. to ask that because I was like, since it seems like we're getting a sampling of all the Genres. Gideon, yes. Gideon was was had many feelings about people, but none of those were in the romantic side. Yes, I didn't. Some them were on the murder side. More of the like, wow, that person's real hot yeah. side. Oh, but you know, I got a job to do. I didn't have to suffer through it like I did through migrations. Oh no! You read that book? Yes. Yeah, he did. Uh, he said it sounded. It said it felt like an Evanescence song, but it was good. <laughs> But yeah, so there's no there's no romance in there, and but yeah, it was a little kind of a quick turnaround, especially because I don't know, like there's reasons for behavior, but you can't use that as an excuse for some of the things that Harrowhark was doing. Like she was actively making sure that Gideon could not have her own life for a long time, and you understand why later, but you're oh, you're still just like ooh, but you still did it for a long time. Yeah. Gideon kept trying to, like like Val said, apply to be part of the cohort, leave, join the army, get off this cold, sad, dead rock of a planet. And like every single turn, Harrowhark would either foil her plans or lure her into trusting her and then foil her plans. Yeah, that's, oh. that 
is the thing. Gideon is just like a nice, a nice gal all around and very, very trusting. And even if she's not trusting, she's literally just like, I have to do this because you're making me do this, but you're going to betray me. I, I keep <laughs> picturing Lucy with the football and Charlie Brown now. <laughs> you're not off, basically. <laughs> but yeah, no, I would definitely recommend it. And so would thousands of people in Goodreads, I think. It has like a four point. It's like, very high. I think four point twenty five, something like that. That's really good. That's Maybe really good. Higher. I think it might. I think it might be higher, but but it's very good. I think. I think the the biggest concerns are that uh, Gideon's character for some people, and also I think I saw a few people who were just kind of uncomfortable with the like relationship they had because it was like indentured servitude, basically. Yeah. Like she was being forced to do this against her will, and it was very dangerous, and it was like you know very clearly I don't want to do this, which can very very much feel weird to read when you're just like oh isn't it fun to watch someone who just learns to like their lot in life <laughs> yeah, correct that, that was def- a big a big problem the relationship is definitely definitely not good and oh real toxic, yeah, real toxic. <laughs> it's it's not the relationship at least i i never i never took it as, as romantic in any kind of way whatsoever some people or, some people oh, did but i don't people really, really yeah i don't see that did. i think it's very clear that gideon is lesbian or bisexual but Harrowhark is very clearly of the persuasion of can I get more power and make more skeletons with it (laughs) no no thank you I just never got uh, Harold Hark as being interested in romance at, at this point She's in her life. She's interested in power and power, though. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> She's interested bones. in making it all work. Yeah, so a lot of people did read that relationship as romantic, which I can see why. I, I don't, but I can I can see why they did, especially because they had a very like close bond for a long time. But I didn't, so it's one of those things where there's literally... It's open for, interpre- for interpretation. Yeah, so if you yeah. don't like romance, you're not going to read this and be like, they lied to me. There is romance because unless you're wanting to find it, you can between the lines. You can just be like, yeah, they're just friends. They're people who knew each other a long time. Of course, they're gonna be close. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Well, anything else you guys want to add about it? Uh, my suggestion, like Katie said, yeah, we 100% recommend it. Yeah. And go out and buy it. Hey, don't buy it. Get it from the library. Come on, get out of here. (laughs) I will say, if you like audiobooks, please give the audiobook a try because it was so good. Yes. I honestly need to go and see if the second one has probably done. It been done yeah, by a miracle, more yeah. quirk, so. And you see what what else she does aside from the from the ninth. There you go. Yes. So so five stars for getting the ninth, and five and a half stars for more quirk. Alrighty. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for reviewing a book together. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a delightful experience for anybody who wants a nice genre mixer. Yes. And stay tuned next week for more fantastic book recommendations. Bye. Thank you for having us.